The reading tonight is taken from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22, which is found on page 244 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realise that you are wretched, pitchable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you, and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you, and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give you a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jenny. Let's pray. Lord God, we give thanks for your word this evening. May it dwell richly in our hearts through faith, for we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, In our letter to the Laodiceans, we have hot, cold, and lukewarm. Unsurprisingly, that made me think of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. The first porridge, too hot. The second porridge, too cold. But what was the third porridge? Just right. Has to be done with a funny voice, doesn't it? And then what happens? Then she's feeling a bit sleepy. First bed, too big. Second one, too small. Third one, just right. Then somehow the bears come back and she somehow manages to escape. I'm not entirely sure how she gets away from this situation. But in that fairy tale, what is the moral of the story? probably the extremes of life are to be avoided and that moderation, something in the middle, is probably preferable. But our letter to the Laodiceans seems to be preaching the complete opposite. Seems to be saying what is in the middle is bad, what is at the two extremes seems to be good. At a glance, what seems to be odd is that it sort of doesn't matter. Hot, great. Cold, great. Lukewarm, no, that's awful. So we have to go into it a little bit to find out about it. 
Now, there is actually a um, Greek medicinal side to this and a little bit of geography as well. Now, Laodicea was about five miles away from two very notable water sources, ones that you wouldn't go to every day, but if you needed a bit of a pick-me-up, you'd head over to them. So, one of them was a hot spring, and you can go and visit it today. It's got these lovely shallow pools where the, the sort of salts have crystallized up the sides, and they've made these shallow pools that you go and sit in. Um, they're, you know, good for the bones, and if you drink a small amount of it, it's okay. It's not great to, to drink the sort of high mineral liquids. But back in those times, they used to think of humours. Humours were the sort of the fluids that invigorated your body, and with those um, hot uh, liquids, you would invigorate your humours and you would feel good about yourself. It was seen that this heat was stimulating for the body, and therefore warm was good. Warm was invigorating. Now, there was another water source about a mile down the road, which was a notable cold water source. It was an underground aquifer. It would produce very clear, clean water, very cold. Back in the time of Jesus, people knew that running water was good. They knew that stagnant water was bad. So when Jesus said that I am the living water, there was a sense in that word, and it's meant to sort of play off the idea that it's living, it's running, it's moving. There is a sense that it is enlivened. And so you get this sense that if you would be cold, if you'd be running as a, as a stream, you would be lively, you would be good for sustaining life. And so you have these two water sources, these two ideas that would have been very, very familiar with the Laodiceans. Hot, good and invigorating, cold, enlivening and bringing of life. So why can't you mix the two? Why can't you let your warm water go down towards room temperature? Well, actually, lukewarm water also had a usage in uh, Greek medicine, but not such a good one. Um, to help us think about this, imagine when you're feeling not very well and you're, you know, it's not very nice, but if you're about to be sick, your mouth feels quite warm, doesn't it? And back in Greek uh, medicine, they believed that lukewarm water made you more likely to be sick. So actually, it was nothing to do with the other two. It wasn't a middle point at all. It was a completely fundamentally different thing. So our analogy of hot, cold, and lukewarm isn't like Goldilocks. Instead, it's saying hot is useful, cold is useful, lukewarm, what's the point? It's fundamentally a different category, fundamentally something that there was no point in having. And so the accusation to the Laodiceans here in this evening's reading is you think a lot of yourselves, but you've ended up being pointless. You could have been this, 
and you'd have been great. You could have been that and you'd have been great. But you ended up somewhere in the middle at something without its function. Now, it seems that they were quite well off. This is quite unlike some of the other churches that we've heard of who were struggling. They seem to be doing quite well for themselves. And it seems similar, I think, to the accusation that you hear in Matthew's Gospel when Jesus said, what was the point in salt when it's lost its saltiness? He says, at that point, you might as well just throw it into the fire. You, might as, you could call it salt, but at that point, it's sort of this rock of pointlessness. The people think they're doing well, but actually the thing that has been enlivening them in the first place isn't there at all. They seem to have been sidetracked and gone down the wrong path, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but they've ended up being something that they really shouldn't have been. And so it sort of makes sense of the water idea that we have at the beginning of the passage when it goes on to the second half of the letter. When it says, if only you'd been this good thing or this good thing, but instead you chose something fundamentally different. You chose a fool's errand. And now you're even gloating over it. Then we hear these wonderful lines. Listen, I am standing at the door and knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Are any of you familiar with the Holman Hunt painting, Light of the World? Um, If not, Google it. I I really should have got a screen. I apologize for not doing a picture of it. Uh, There are three copies of it, uh, one in St. Paul's Cathedral, one in Keeble College, Oxford, and one in Manchester, I think. Um, I've not seen the Manchester one, but I've seen both the London and the Oxford one. The London one is very big, very impressive. The one in Keeble College, Oxford is about that big uh, and is very intimate uh, and well worth going seeing. Um, Sometimes you can just, if you're ever in Oxford, you can knock on the porter's door and just say, I want to see the painting, and if it's not exam season, they'll let you in. But in that famous painting, Jesus is standing there with a lamp, and he's next to this door, and it's overgrown, and the the light of the world is shining on, uh, and he has knocked on the door, but the observant uh, looking at the door see that there are no door handles. There is no handle on the door for Jesus to open. The assumption is from this passage that Jesus will knock on our lives, on our hearts, but it's us who from the other side open the door to welcome him in. And so this is what the challenge here to the Laodiceans is. Jesus is saying, I am coming near to you, but will you open your hearts? Will you seek something of worth from me? Will you not go after your fool's errand and think well of yourselves and think that you're doing just enough without me? This evening, I think there are a couple of challenges for us. The first is, what are we standing for? 
Things with eternal merit or things with a short-term shelf life. With the hot and the cold and the lukewarm, we actually see that maybe there are a variety of things that they could have chosen to do, but they had chosen the fool's errand. They had chosen the one thing that was of no value. I think there are a number of careers or situations we can find that God is at the center of. But we need to make sure that whatever we do, we put God at the center. That we don't feel smug about ourselves and just say, I don't need him. Secondly, we need to listen to the call of God in our lives. We need to assume that he's at the door and assume that he is knocking and beckoning us into um, be welcomed into our lives. This evening, are we listening? Are we expectant? The less expectant I am that Jesus will turn up, the less often I find I notice that he has. It's, it's a weird sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? That if, if we pray every morning... God, how will you use me? How will you turn up in my life today? It's amazing how more often we notice him at work. So that's my challenge. Will we pray, you know, God, where are you today? I want you in my life. I'm going to open the door to you and I want you to be part of my life. Are we listening? Are we ready to let him in? Because if we aren't, the letter to the Laodicean has this caution to us that we could end up in that lukewarm space, that space that the letter says is pointless, that is worse than pointless, that is bad for us. If we boil down tonight's reading... It's about preparing a place for God. Being ready for him to be part of our lives. Being expectant that he will be part as well. And finally, that we should be something for God. Are we hot? Are we cold? Or are we just lukewarm? Have we got that eternal perspective? Or are we stuck on the short term? Have we got the ultimate gains that are for an eternal perspective? Or are we working towards a short-term economy? I want to end with just a few minutes of personal prayer. And I'm just going to lead us through a time of prayer that maybe God can... um, prompt us that we can think about a little bit more um, because how this lands for each one of us will be completely unique. So let's have a few minutes of prayer. Lord God, we come to you. We know you're at the door and you're longing to enter into our lives. And so we think about areas of our life which are either hot with the life of God in them or cold with the refreshment of God. We give thanks 
for those areas of life that are lively with God. But also we ask, what aspects of God are, what aspects of our life are lukewarm? Do we need to change some of them so that they're hot or cold? Or do we need to stop something in particular in our life? Lord God, we ask that you'd be speaking into our hearts, that you'd be shining your light into us, This evening, God is knocking at the door of our lives. Will we be welcoming him in today? Lord God, would you be in every part of our lives? Would you help us to walk with you today, this week, and always? Amen.